listening to the Talk with the Wise podcast, a podcast where I talk with those who have lived more life than myself and ask them to share the wisdom they've gained from their experience. This was such a good conversation that we had to split it into two parts. You're listening to part one, so please enjoy and stay tuned for part two. the Talk with the Wise podcast. I'm your host, Ellie Yandel, and today I have with me John Brannion. What a pleasure and an honor to have you on here. John has been a stand-up comedian for over 30 years, which is so impressive. He also has his own podcast called uh, The Comedian Next Door. He's a blogger, author of all things comedy and culture. He does it all, really. I'm like the like the Swiss army knife of people. I just do, I just do it all. <laughs> Are you going to tell people how how we know each other? Are you going to tell them that? Sure. That you were part of our family. Yeah. Also, he was my air quotes boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I had a wonderful opportunity to do an internship with John Brandon Comedy. So uh, if you've listened to the Amanda McKinney episode, I don't know how much I highlighted in that one, but working with them was just like so cool. Unreal, honestly. It was so fun. Ellie was great. You were came to our place for a, a little season, and uh, you were making posts on social media, and you were coming on skews, and yeah, we had a blast. So Ellie was uh, Ellie was our minion, <laughs> our beloved minion, who uh, was at our beck and call, and uh, it was great. As the intern, one of the biggest projects I worked on was the Vacay with the Comics 2023 event. And it's so cool. I've got to tell you about it. But I'll let someone who's actually been tell you about it first. Amanda? So people always ask whether it's fun to have friends who are comedians, whether it's fun to be raised by a comedian. And I always say, yeah, I think it was, but there's really no way to describe it except to just come and see for yourself. And so we created this opportunity for super fans of comedy to spend an entire weekend enjoying live shows and lunch, dinner, breakfast, snacks, and game nights with the actual comedians hanging out and talking to them directly and their families too. They brought their wives and their kids. Comedians Bob Smiley, Darren Streblo, Kristen Weber, David Pendleton, and of course, John Branion will be there. And it truly is the ultimate backstage pass. It's July 28th through the 30th of 2023 in Cedar Lake, Indiana. Tickets and more information are available at johnbranion.com. That's John, B-R-A-N-Y-A-N.com. John, I know you have written a book about this, but um, I was wondering if you would kind of expound a little bit your thoughts on comedy and how that's like impacted your philosophy on life. Sure. Uh, My grandmother used to say, whenever something that you might think was a bad thing happened, and my grandmother was recounting the story, she would say, well, you can either laugh or cry about it. So we might as well laugh. And I remember her saying that when I was really, really young, really little. And I guess it kind of stuck that it, it makes sense to me that you've got a choice to make. Things are going to happen to you that are going to be bad, quote unquote, and you have to decide how you're going to respond to those things. And if you curl up in a ball and weep, that's one way to respond. But another way to respond that is also legitimate is you can laugh at stuff. And so my 
philosophy has been that it's better to laugh at things than to be undone by things. And so at, at the root of all really good comedy is some sort of a tragedy. And that's, I think, indicative of the fact that God created comedy. He created comedy so that we would have some way to respond to the tragedies and to the suffering that happens in our life. So that, in a nutshell, is my philosophy, that God gave us comedy so that we would have some way to deal with the suffering that we go through. Mm, Yeah. Do you have any examples of that? from your life specifically? Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, dozens and dozens of them. Anytime, <laughs> anytime you have a circumstance that is outside of what you were planning, and I call them inconveniences. You know, every tragedy is just a, a level of inconvenience because it's not what you were planning to have happen. And so, you know, you get stuck at a stoplight behind a car that breaks down, and so you're late to whatever appointment you're trying to keep. Well, that's an inconvenience. But it's also an inconvenience to have a heart attack on the way to that appointment and be rushed to the hospital. But it's a different levels of inconvenience, but they're all inconveniences. I had an appointment to go and do a show in Nashville a couple of years ago, and I was going down the night before because the client who booked me thought that it would be a good idea if I went down the night before. And I thought, well, that's pretty extreme. What's he think's going to happen? It's just in Nashville. What's going to happen? Well, I'll tell you what happened. There was a big, long line of traffic going through Louisville, Kentucky, and all of these orange cones were down the middle of the street. And so we were in one lane and it was just miles and miles of cars driving you know, two miles an hour, just poking through this construction zone. It took me an hour longer than it's supposed to, to get through uh, Louisville. So I'm like, well, I guess it's a good thing I left a day early. And as we got to the end of the construction zone, I noticed that there was, there was no construction. There was no vehicles, you know, nobody was digging any holes. There was no machinery or anything like that. So it's just a long line of orange cones keeping us in one lane for no reason. And uh, so I was, I was annoyed. I had been inconvenienced and I really had to go to the bathroom. And so I went to pull off the first exit that I got to south of Louisville and I almost missed the exit. And so I was swerving to not miss the exit. And I went through that little zone where all the white lines are painted, you know, that you're not supposed to drive through, but you can. And I hit a pothole, like a huge pothole in the middle of that place on the exit ramp and broke the tie rod in my car. And so my car skidded off to the side of the road and the, and the wheel was like at a 90 degree angle, it was broken. I couldn't drive anymore. And my first thought was, how come I just drove past a million orange cones in the middle of the road for no reason at all? Why couldn't they take one of those orange cones and put it in that pothole? That would have been at least a good use of those orange cones. So I called the tow truck. Tow truck came and picked me up. It took me It took me about uh, nine hours to get to Nashville that night. It was normally, well, it took me longer than that. It took me a lot longer than it was supposed to take me to get to Nashville. Oh my gosh. I got in the wee hours in the morning, had my car towed and dropped off at a mechanic in Louisville. The following weekend, I had another show actually in Louisville. And so I had the other comic who I was on stage with drop me off after or before the show. I said, can you take me to the show? Take me to get my car before we go to do the show. And he says, sure. So he takes me. I pay for the car. It cost it, it cost a lot of money and probably more money than I should have spent. It, it was probably that was probably also dumb. <laughs> I spent more money repairing this car than the car was worth. Drove it to the show. We did the show. Everything was great. 
I'm driving home. So I've had the car out of the mechanic garage less than five hours. I'm on the way home. I'm now just about 30 minutes north of Louisville and I hit a deer with my car. And the first thought out of my head was, are you kidding me? And then I went to the side of the road and surveyed the damage and the front end was smashed. The the headlights, you know, one of them was, was gone. It didn't work. And the fender was bent in against the tire. So I had to pull that away so it didn't rub a hole in the tire. And I drove home. And I was thinking on the way home, this is going to be a good story, <laughs> right? Because, I mean, what are the odds that you're going to, in, in less than six hours after having major repair done to the car, I just crushed the entire front end. <laughs> On a deer, a deer that was just standing. You were probably wishing, man, I wish that was an orange cone <laughs> instead of a deer. No kidding. I wish it would have. I wish it was another orange cone. But the point is that there was a time when that would have been catastrophic. Mm. You know, that would have been just how do you, how do you even take it? How do you deal with something like that? Mm. And I'll admit that I wasn't thrilled <laughs> when it happened, but I did know that it was going to make a good story. Mm. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to talk about in those sort of stories. And every time I've told that story to somebody, the person has laughed. You know, I've never had nobody has ever has ever wept. When I told them that broken story. Broken down in tears. <laughs> yeah, no one's ever broken down in tears. I've had a couple of people sort of groan in sympathy. Mm. But it's interesting to me that when I tell that story, it invokes laughter in other people. And there's something, I think, significant about that. That we are wired up to laugh when suffering is going on. And I, they're not laughing at me. They're not glad that I'm suffering. But laughter is the thing that just automatically happens when we encounter some horrific, you know, inconvenience. And the more inconvenient it is, the more dire and serious the inconvenience, the stronger the laughter is. Mm. And I, a lot of people are uncomfortable thinking about this and talking about this, but I think that this is, I think this is what happens naturally. And it's relieved a lot of anxiety for me personally to realize, hey, this is what goes on. This is just what happens. This is the way people are wired up. And so I don't get offended when people find it funny hmm. because I know they're not laughing at me. They're not laughing at the at the circumstances. They're laughing at because they can understand it. They've all hit a deer with a freshly repaired car. Maybe not specifically that, but everybody has had something like that happen in their life. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit, at least what you were saying earlier, in, um, I believe it was the magician's nephew, Asland, when he's like creating Narnia um, and like making all of the creatures talk or whatever. He, one of the birds like does something weird and they all like, he describes it as like, make this weird sound. And they're like, Whoa, oh, oh, they feel guilty about it. And Aslan just says, you know, laugh and fear not creatures for jokes as well as justice come in with speech. And I've always really loved that quote because it's kind of like, you know, it has the two options of what are you going to do about something uh, when something goes wrong? You're going to try to fix it, you know, bring justice, but you're also going to just laugh like you can't. Those are the only two good options, really. Right. And and some things are just beyond your control. Mm -hmm. No matter how much planning you do, no matter how devoted you are to justice and righteousness, mm -hmm. things just don't work out the way you intend them to work out. And so you can either laugh or cry, according mm -hmm. to my grandmother. <laughs> Would you say that's probably like the biggest 
piece of advice or wisdom you would give to young people of today or like that you've gained from life so far? For young people? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think... You sounded so sad about young people, I guess. Well, you know, my young people, I feel, I feel bad for young people because a lot of young people are being raised by people who are young people themselves. Mm. And, uh, and they were raised by young people. So there's, we've got at least three generations of people now who have never had an adult anywhere in the vicinity. And that is tragic which means it's also funny at some level. But <laughs> I, I guess what I always told my kids, so I'll just tell you young people who, who are strangers to me that I don't know. <laughs> I will just tell you what I told my kids. The most important thing that you will ever learn to do, and this is a thing that if you have to make a choice between learning this and learning anything else, it's this. This is the thing that you must learn, not the other things that you're worried about. The most important thing that you can learn is how to make other people like you, how to behave in such a way that other people like you. Because if people like you, it does not matter how skilled you are in other areas of work. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how beautiful you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. If people like you, opportunities come your way in bucket loads. The hard part for people who are who have a lot of friends is trying to figure out what you're going to do with your time mm -hmm. because you can literally do whatever you want to do. Opportunities come to people who are likable. And on the other hand, if you are a person who is not likable, if you are a conceited jerk, then it doesn't matter how pretty you are and it doesn't matter how much money you have and it doesn't matter how smart you are and it doesn't matter what your GPA is. You are not going to have opportunities because people don't want to be around you. And if people don't want to be around you, it makes life really, really hard. Because what will happen is then you'll start to become bitter and you'll start to blame people for not wanting to be around you. And it's not their fault. It's actually your fault. And if you weren't so unlikable, then someone would be able to sit you down and tell you this. But because you're so unlikable, everybody just pulls further and further and further away. You find yourself more and more alone and more and more desperate and less and less likely to ever have somebody tell you what I'm telling you right now, which is if you want your life to be better, figure out how to make people like you. Mm. And the second thing is be a person. And this kind of goes, this kind of goes along with the first thing, but be the type of person who is honest and conscientious, who shows up on time and does what they say they're going to do. And if you just do those four things, if you're honest, conscientious, show up on time, do what you say you're going to do, you do those four things, that will put you in the top 1% of people on the planet. Most people don't do that. Most people don't care about following through and doing what they say they're going to do because they figure nobody else is paying attention. A lot of people are not honest. They lie about things that they don't even need to lie about. They are deceptive. They keep secrets that they don't need to keep. None of those things will help you. But if you are a person who is dependable, honest, show up, do what you're told to do. You're 1% and you are in demand. You will be able to, you'll be able to work anywhere you want to work. Um, and you say, well, what if I don't have the proper training? If you don't have the proper training, they will teach you whatever you need to know at whatever the job is, because you're an honest, hardworking, conscientious person who does what they say they're going to do. So they cannot afford to let you go. 
you will be in high demand in the workplace. You'll be in high demand in relationships. In uh, You will have all sorts of people clamoring to be your friend and to spend time with you because you are a rare individual. Most people are not that way. So if you foster those four things, those four simple things, your life is better. Hmm. And uh, it's not to say you're not going to hit a deer once in a while. But generally speaking, here's the thing. When you hit a deer and you get your car smashed up, you know what happens? There's half a dozen people that will loan you a vehicle hmm. when your car is in commission. And I'm that's from experience. Yeah. Whenever I've, my car is out of commission, I've always got two or three friends who are like, well, you can just use my car. Hmm. So what I'm hearing is for those of you filling out job applications and or dating app profiles, put those four things on it and then actually be them. <laughs> yeah. Just you can't you can't lie about it. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that, that would, would like break the rule. One of the four things. That violates the honesty clause. Yeah. But be that person. Be that person who just does what they say they're going to do. Show up on time. It's amazing how many people show up at job interviews like drunk what? and on drugs and stuff. It's yeah, it's unbelievable. Said the homeschool sheltered person, what? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I'm telling you this, because I, I know that you don't know, because you would never consider doing that. But yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of people who they're not employable. Mm-hmm. And if you're a person who's not employable, then you're probably a person who's difficult to be friends with. You're a person who's difficult to be around because that's they, those things go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And so if you're if you're having a hard time holding down a job, if you're having a hard time, you know, getting friends to stick around, if you're having a hard time, if you find yourself fighting with people all the time, it's possible that everybody around you is a jerk, but it's not likely. Hmm. I mean, if you are consistently having problems with relationships, it's probably your fault. And the sooner you admit that and start trying to fix it, the sooner then your life improves. So well, that's what I told my kids. And it, it's funny because my son, my oldest son, Timothy, is all charisma. <laughs> He is 100% charisma and he doesn't do anything. He has, he has a terrible, he's better now that he's older, but he had a terrible work ethic. He was deceitful. He was tricky. He would steal my car, but he always had tons and tons and tons of friends because he was likable. Mm. He was, he just had a lot of charisma. And that's why I say, man, if you can figure out how to make people like you, you can even be something of a jerk Mm. and, and and get away with it. You can you'll still be okay because people like you. So it's crucial. Crucial to have have the skills uh so that people like you. Yeah. Well that is some great advice. I think I want to go ahead and change it up a little bit. Ask me a question that I that I won't have good advice for. Okay. No, I'm just gonna <laughs> change it up a little bit. <laughs> you said that was great advice. Now we're gonna change it up a little bit. Okay. That was All great. Right. Now let's run this podcast into the ground. Let's hit a deer with the, the front of this podcast. Let's uh, let's go a completely different direction from useful to Just a something waste else. of time. Mm-hmm. All the people who are liked and are honest will say, huh, <laughs> I don't think this is worth my time and turn off the podcast. Gosh. Uh, but no, this is something that listening to your podcast and just all sorts of content that you and uh, Amanda as well put out. I realized was kind of a theme with you guys is truth, like truth with a capital T of searching for and discerning truth. I feel like in this generation and, you know, I feel like that's always something that is crucial, but also people struggle with. And I wondered if you could speak into that. Yep, they do. 
Why do you think they struggle with it? Why do you think people struggle to uh, tell the truth, seek the truth, tell the truth? Why do you think they do that? I'm going to go with the fact that hmm, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without sounding super Sunday school in my answer, but. It's your podcast. You can do whatever you want, right? (laughs) You don't have any rules. Sure. Sure. I'm going to go with the fact that people are averse to the truth, but I don't know if I'm using that word right. But I think people are averse, averse to the truth because they're not of the truth. Like their sinful nature makes them like repulsed to it because the truth is the the Lord. Yeah, I would agree. I think that people struggle with the truth because the truth is not popular. The truth will almost always get you into trouble with the people who are averse to the truth, the people who do not who who do not want the truth. And it's not just that they prefer to not tell the truth or to seek the truth. They hate the truth. And that's what the scripture says. The people who despise wisdom, the people who despise truth. Jesus said these are they're not of us. They're not part of this kingdom because their their deeds are evil. And so there's there's no neutral ground. This is what we talk about in the podcast a lot. There's there's either you're either telling the truth or you're not telling the truth. And there is a culture, the, the younger generation, believes that the truth is optional, or they believe that the truth is personal. They believe that they can have a version of the truth. You and I can each have different versions of the truth, and that's fine. And they believe that. So they believe that it's not really even worth fighting about it because I've got my truth and you've got your truth. And as long as it works for you, then I shouldn't judge you and get on your back. But that's not true. <laughs> so you, when you, if you believe that the truth doesn't matter, then that's that's not true. So you are uh, embracing embracing a lie. And the thing is, the generation that you're growing up in, the generation that you are now becoming an influencer of, when they go on to podcasts, when they go on to social media, when they uh, write things, when they make movies, when they basically make statements. Their goal is not to say true things anymore. There was a time in history where that was the reason that people created art was because they were trying to express some sort of truth. That's not the case. Now, art is designed to elicit a feeling. We're trying to get people to feel a certain way. Um, whether we're trying to get them to feel sympathetic towards our cause, whether we're trying to get them to be angry at who we're angry at, we're trying to get them to hit the like button, we're trying to get them to follow our social media, Um, we're trying to get them to become fans of us. That doesn't necessarily require telling the truth. That requires saying what they want to hear. Bible says that those are people who have itching ears and they will gather around them people who say what they want to hear. And so if you want to become an influencer, if you want to become notorious, you say things and do things that will elicit or get a certain response from people. And again, that's not probably going to be speaking the truth. Because when you tell people the truth, as Jesus did all the time, the first thing that happened was a whole bunch of his disciples would leave. Every time Every time Jesus said anything that was profoundly true, then he would always say goodbye to a percentage of the people who had been following him. And that's the opposite of what we're trying to accomplish on social media. And so the people who are, when you start losing followers on social media in this generation, you change up your message. 
you go, well, that thing that I was saying now is upsetting the people who are following me, so I need to stop saying that. Well, if it's the truth, you're not supposed to stop saying it, but that's that's what we do. And so the reason we talk about the truth all the time is because the truth is the only thing that matters. Ultimately, a thing is either true or it's not true. And if it's not true, then continuing to pursue it and continuing to base your life on it is is not going to take you towards um, towards goodness. It's not going to take you towards the light. You're always either going towards the light or towards the darkness. And so how you talk, how you think, how you, how you conduct your podcast, how you do your comedy, how you, how you interact with your friends, everything, every decision that you make, every single second of your life is either going towards the light or towards the darkness. There's nothing in the middle of those two things. You just listened to the first part of this conversation. We hope that you enjoyed it, but be sure to go to the Talk with the Wise podcast to listen to part two. Thanks for listening. We hope you found this conversation edifying and helpful. If you did, please share this episode with anyone you feel could benefit from it. And if you really enjoyed it, please leave us a review. It really helps us out. Thanks again for listening to the Talk with the Wise podcast.